Charting Toward Intimacy covers mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey there, welcome to Charting Toward Intimacy, where we're expanding the natural family planning conversation. I'm your host, Ellen Holloway. All right, here we are, our first NFP in real life episode. Our very first. (laughs) I'm so excited. All right, what are we talking about, Kathleen? Today we're going to talk about providentialism versus responsible parenthood. Yeah. Hot topic to get us started. It is a hot topic. Yeah. And I guess, you know, for me, it's always been, how do you tell, like, how do you kind of discern, I guess, you know, where you are in, in your marriage and in your family life, whether, you know, can you rely on providentialism all the time? And rely on responsible parenthood all the time? Can it kind of go back and forth a little bit? How do you kind of discern that and, and balance the two, I guess? Um, right. And I like, I've, I've met tons of couples that are like, oh yeah, well we like kind of used NFP, you know, we, um, we had a couple of kids and then it was like, oh, we need to take a break for a little while. So we used NFP for a little while. And then we just decided to stop using NFP. We had a couple more kids, you know, and, and like, I think that's the beauty of, of NFP that it can't, it, you know, it's not something that like you have to go to a doctor to get it removed or, you know, it's something that you can easily like stop and go. Exactly. Um, Although I'm always going to promote charting for health, you know, even if you're like, Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, we don't have an active reason to avoid right now. We'll just kind of like let it happen. But like, you should still keep charting to kind of keep an eye on your health. (laughs) 100%. That's my caveat there. (laughs) That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what, maybe Maybe um, for people that might not understand exactly what these things are, maybe we should define them first. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with providentialism. Let's say it correctly too. Providentialism. (laughs) Providentialism. Providentialism. Yeah. So that, so providentialism would be basically just relying on God's providence for, at at least in this context, relying on God's providence um, in the case of like planning your family. Um, yes. And so that, I mean, essentially it would be like doing whatever, um, and, and maybe not charting at all, um, not looking at like rules of NFP or, yeah. or, you know, abstaining in any particular, like part of your cycle for any reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And I think, um, well, yeah. Okay. That's providential. I was, okay. was going right, to go on some good. thoughts, yeah. <laughs> but we'll, we'll save the thoughts for when we're like really talking about. It. Um, and then, yeah. And then if we're talking about responsible parenthood, so this is actually a term that, um, was laid out well in Humani Vitae. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to read, um, sure. Ellen, do you want to read from Humani Vitae that, that little definition that I can kind of sum it up? Yeah. So, um, so this is Humana Vitae. This is paragraph 10. Um, and the title of this paragraph is actually responsible parenthood. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, just, I'm not reading the whole paragraph. I'm just reading a section of it. So um, with regard to the biological processes, responsible parenthood means an awareness of and respect for their proper functions in the procreative faculty. The human mind discerns biological laws that apply to the human person. Well, that was a lot. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm still reading though. <laughs> Keep going. We'll sum it up. With regard to man's innate drives and emotions, responsible parenthood means that man's reason and will must exert control over them. Hmm. And then the last part with regard to physical 
economic, psychological, and social conditions, responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children and by those who for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts decide not to have additional children for either a certain or an indefinite period of time. Boom. Right there. (laughs) Paul the six. There he goes. Right there. Right there. Yeah. So all of that is a bunch of awesome theological language for what the USCCB has really summarized as, um, so from the USCCB website, it says responsible parenthood requires that husband and wife understand God's design for marriage, that it is love giving, unitive and life giving, procreative spouses ought to be well formed in understanding church teaching and reflect upon their responsibilities toward each other, children already born and the wider society when deciding when to attempt to conceive or not. So I think that's. A that's really such a good, yeah. I, I think it's, the USCCB like really nailed it there. That's a that's did. a great definition. Yeah, in layman's terms. Yes, right. Because <laughs> I think I think there's a lot of heady language. I, I love is. this definition um, from Humana Vitae, and this is what oh, yeah. I use when I go to like marriage talks and stuff. I use those three quotes, um, yep. but of course I explain them as well. <laughs> right, exactly. You kind of always need to bring it down a level. Yeah, um, but I, but I love. I mean, yeah. Pope Paul the Sixth spells it out. He's like, look, if you have physical, if you have economic, if you have psychological, or if there's social conditions, like it's okay to plan your family. It's okay to use NFP. Um, and this also, before we like jump really into the topic, I want to say that that, that last quote that I read, this is where that grave reasons thing comes from. Um, and so grave Mm -hmm. reasons was a mistranslation in the first translation to English. Um, Oh, I didn't even know this. It was. So, so it was a mistranslation when, um, when this was like first put out and, um, the word in Italian is grave, which Uh is spelled exactly like grave. Right. And, um, and essentially it is, it is kind of the same word, but the thing is in Italian, the word grave, like if you go to Google translate, type grave in and then pick Italian and it'll spit out serious. It won't spit out grave. The word grave Mm -hmm. in English has a totally different connotation than the word grave in Italian. Um, and so that's, that's where that grave reasons come from. And it's actually a mistranslation. So I just want to throw that out there. Cause I I think a lot of times people are like, you have to have grave reasons. It's like, actually, yeah, no grave is more serious of a word then Pope Paul VI intended to put in that spot. He intended to put the word serious and serious just means like real, you you know, you need to have a real reason. Right. And, and a real reason might be a physical reason, an economic reason, a Mm -hmm. psychological reason, or a social condition, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Cause he's all right. Now we're just repeating ourselves. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I think you're right. Cause when we, you know, people get all up on this high horse about grave reasons, and, you know, I think they think like that, that sort of connotates to like life or death, right? Like it's, right. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be life or death. It could just be, you know, like you said, your mental state is really important. Um, especially if you have other children, you need to be at your best to be raising the children that you already have. And if another child is going to kind of throw that out of whack, 
um, that's something you owe to your children already born. Right. So exactly. And there's, there's where that response, I love, I love the term responsible parenthood. I love Mm -hmm. that. This was the wording that Pope Paul the sixth, um, you know, came upon because like responsibility is it, ah, oh, it's just like, ah, oh, it's just such a good word. I don't even know how to explain yeah. why I like it so much, but, oh, I um, agree with you. you know, we're, we're called as parents to be responsible for the children we already have. Um, yes. and you know, if we're, if we're struggling to make ends meet, um, and, and maybe that's the only thing that's going on, right. Maybe we have, we have three kids, but we're really struggling to make ends meet, but like, I'm healthy, I'm happy all that kind of stuff. But I'm worried about having another kid because, because of this aspect, that's, you know, that's fine because you, you need to be able to, uh, to support your current family. Um, you are responsible for them. Um, you know, your job as a Catholic husband and wife is not just to be a baby making machine. Right. Um, Right. Like you as a unit are, you're trying to get like everybody to heaven. Like that, that's your end goal. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And I think, yeah, that needs to be the focus of everything we do in parenthood. Right. Um, including, and, and in our marriage, I mean, that's, that's the number one thing that you always need to keep the focus on is what is going to be the best for my family, for my spouse to basically lead, lead us all to heaven. Right. Um, and you know, so I will say that I was making notes on all of this and just kind of thinking about it all. And I was thinking about providentialism and like, listen, my husband would love to be a providentialist. I think sometimes like <laughs> just love to throw the rules of NFP out the window. All right. Honestly, I um, love to throw the chart out sometimes. Like, like I, I also, yeah. like, I, I feel like I know what your husband means. Like I would love to be a providentialist in that, like, I would love to just like, not have to worry about it yeah, and be like, exactly. yeah, you know what? Like, it's going to be fine. But like, I don't know, we're, we are such fallen humans that like, we, are. we, we do. Yeah. We, we have that need for, for planning our families. Yeah. Yeah. And when, you know, I was even saying like, I've been charting for what I've been charting for a little, like over nine years now, right. Between nine and 10 years. And it's like, I know my body so well at this point that it's like, I don't even have to physically chart anymore. And I can know where I am in regards to my fertility, right? Like I can know when I'm taking a risk. And I, so it's like at a point where it's like, I can't even really be a true providentialist anymore because I can't extract that information just from my brain and just throw it out the window, right? It's like, I just know, um, you know, and again, that came with like years of practice, but Um, it's like, yeah, I, I know every single time we take a risk, like, it's like, I, I, I know it. So it's like, I can't really just say like, I mean, you do, but, but I, you can still be a providentialist during those times where you're just like, you know what, Lord, this is what my marriage needs right now. And I'm just going to put this in your hands. You know, maybe there's, I have reasons that I might not want to get pregnant right now but they're not really that serious. So, you know, if we got pregnant, it would be fine. I know that. So Lord, whatever you want, yeah. you know, and, and I think that, um, that's a really healthy sort of view of providentialism. Um, I think, I think there can be, I mean, everything in moderation, right? Like, yeah, we talk about like with everything there's, you know, an extreme 
on one end is, you know, I, I don't know, an extreme on either end tends to lead to vice, right? Like virtue is always in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if we really kind of, kind of think about that, I think sometimes, and, and maybe there are families that just have, you know, buckets of money, you know, that they could have 25 children and finances would never be an issue. Right. And somehow the woman's body is able to handle that. Let's just somehow she's able to handle that. Her mental health is just like on point, you know, like they've got a huge village of support. Exactly. Family support. Like, and listen, she's got just everything super organized. Nothing gets out of whack. Like, listen, if that person exists, by all means, just live your life relying on providentialism. Like, I think that's great. That's, that's fine. But I think that when we really sit down to, to kind of determine like, well, what am I called to in my marriage? Right. And in my family life, what I keep coming back to is that it doesn't have to always be providentialism and it doesn't always have to be, you know, 100% responsible parenthood, although responsible parenthood is usually a smart thing. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that there are times where we might have to lean, be called to lean more to one than the other. Right. So maybe there are times where your marriage is kind of in a rocky spot and you really just feel like you need that unitive aspect, right? Like you need the unitive part of sex to just really help your marriage. And do you want to get pregnant right now? Not necessarily, but again, like that's something you just need to put in the hands of God at that time. Maybe, maybe, Mm, you know, and, and all of this is just, you know, it's one of the beautiful parts about marriage and family is that you're in a constant state of discernment, um, Mm. in constant state of asking God, what is it you want for me right now? Do you want me to kind of trust fall and love my husband? Do you want me to just kind of practice a little more, you know, virtue right now to build virtue through abstinence right now, you know, and, and give my children more of me, right. Like the children that I already have, it's like, I don't know. It's, it, it just feels like it's always this back and forth between the two that God probably wants for mm -hmm. most people. I would imagine. I think think that you really nailed it on the head right there with those, those two questions. Like, yeah, is God calling me to really trust him right now? Because the unitive aspect of sex is what my um, my spouse needs right now, you know, is what, is what my spouse and I need right now. And, and yet we're trying to avoid, and it, you know, could be, could be kind of a risky time. Right. Right. Or then like, and then the other question, or is God calling us to grow in virtue through abstinence at this time right now? And I, I think that is the question and that is what you need to take to prayer, um, during those times when like abstinence is really hard and you're trying to avoid is like, take that question and see what God is telling you, um, that question and, and, and pray it together. This is not just like a one, one one-sided thing. Um, Oh man. Yeah. That's cooler. See, I'll tell you that this has been like a big, um, personal internal battle for me in the last, you know, few years. It's like, if you don't have any of those grave or serious reasons to abstain, right. Then should you interpret that as God calling you to rely on providentialism for that, for a time? Um, Mm. 
And, you know, it's something I've I've just battled with a lot. Like, you know, I have like, again, do I have really serious reasons to not have a child right now? No, but do I feel like adding another child might throw me throw off the equilibrium in a way that Mm. might kind of be bad for mostly usually my mental health, right? Like I'm someone who gets really overwhelmed. I'm not super organized. I feel you. I feel you there. Yeah. Right. Like, it's just like, and just when I think I have things like balancing on this, like fulcrum, you know, where it's like, you're just like, they're finally evened out. Like one extra thing could just throw the whole thing off. Right. Um, so and that's a really, know, it's like, really important to take that into consideration. Like, yeah, like right. your mental health. I mean, Pope Paul VI said it. He said right. mental. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he did. It was in there, right? Like, we're not just making that up, pulling it out. Yeah. Or I guess he said psychological, but that, you know. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. Six to one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm answering this question with myself right now. So and I, I apologize for anyone listening that knows me personally and doesn't know this yet, but I am, I'm 13 weeks pregnant right now with number five. Woo-hoo! Um, yeah. So, and it's funny because being pregnant right now has really sort of answered this question for me. Um, you know, we, we kind of, we wanted another one and, you know, we just kind of said, we don't have any really serious reasons to, avoid right now. So like, you know, let's just, let's go for, let's just see what happens. We did. We just like put it in God's hands. Now here we are 13 weeks later. Um, (laughs) but you know, being pregnant and having four other children. So my kids are two, four, almost seven and eight. So they're all young. We've got some in school, some at home, and there's a lot going on. And to be pregnant right now, is really, really hard. It's Mm. like with everything you have going on, like, it doesn't matter how sick I feel. It doesn't matter how tired I am. I need to be up at 6am making breakfast and lunch, making sure everyone's uniforms are clean, getting them all dressed, fighting them sometimes, a lot of the times, (laughs) get them out the door, you know, and make it, it doesn't matter how you feel. Right. Which when I had my first two, my first three, no one was in school. We had the day where we could just kind of like relax and like, I could take it at my own pace. You know, we mm-hmm. could go somewhere. If I felt great, we could just hang out and have fun at home if we didn't, but it's like, that's not the case anymore. So I'm realizing that as I get older, it's a lot harder to physically be pregnant. And my oldest two are kind of transitioning or have transitioned really from this like baby toddler stage to like real kids with like real issues and, you know, in, in need of this totally different type type of engagement and connection. Now I could raise at this point, babies and toddlers with my eyes closed, right? Like I could connect with them. I could play with them. I could do like, let's just get them to age four and then pass them off to somebody else. Exactly. And now it's like seven and eight, man. Like that's a whole new ball game that I have not tackled yet. Right. Like, I don't know. I am just, I have to learn how to engage with them at this different stage. Um, and still having these young kids being exhausted because I'm pregnant and then having to learn how to parent this whole new age. It's like, that's, you're in a lot of places, you know, like Mm -hmm. you're being pulled in a lot of places. And so 
while I'm, I'm super excited for this new baby, we're all very excited. My kids are like over the moon. I'm just realizing that, you know what I said to my husband, I said, I feel like we may need to start wrapping this up. You know, like we need to just like, like maybe this is our last one, you know, maybe. And he's like, yeah, I I think I'm kind of feeling the same way. Like maybe it is. And, and that's okay. But you said it before Ellen too, that you don't have to like make a snip or a surgery and like have this irreversible thing. And I think that's a really key part of being like open to life really. And And something that allows us to kind of constantly discern between these periods of providentialism and responsible parenthood and, and, you know, all this kind of stuff is that I could say that right now, right? Like, Hey, number five is probably it for us. And like, that's okay. You know, that's going to be okay. But number five could get to be five years old. And all of a sudden we're just like, well, you know what, maybe Maybe we have one more go round. I don't know. Maybe it's you know? Like do it one more time. Like, yeah. yeah it's like, wow, exactly. things are really stable right now. It's like, we don't, we haven't made any decision that has really like put that, like, and that's a beautiful thing. Nothing ever has to be permanent until you go through menopause, right? Right. Like, no then that's decision. God telling you that you're done. Like, right. It's yeah, not you. Exactly. God's like, you did good, kid. <laughs> good, good job. We're done you, now. We're you done. ran the race, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, it's like, it's, but it's funny because it's, it's, it's an awesome thing and it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's sort of like a relief that like, we don't have to make these permanent decisions, Mm -hmm. but as you're in it, it can also feel really hard. The constant need to discern back and forth and, you know, to just not have, not know really like where it's going to end or, you know, um, that can be exhausting as you're in it and as you're practicing it. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's been a lot of thoughts um, for me personally yeah. on this, on this topic, the last couple months. Um, and like, you know, before I even, I, I got pregnant, you know, it was just a lot of this happening in between like, well, what do I do? Do I feel like I want to be, I don't really want to be pregnant right now, but it's like, but <laughs> like, I would love to have another, like, child in our family. I would love to have another baby, you know? So, um, it is, it's just this, like, what are you calling me to right now, Lord? Um, right. Well, and I think, um, I think there's like almost a little bit more definition that we should do because we've sort of been pinning providentialism and responsible parenthood, like on opposite sides of the spectrum. And I don't think, yeah, um, that's that's quite right. Like responsible parenthood as you know, if we go back to what Pope Paul the sixth said in Humana Vitae, like responsible parenthood is practiced by those who avoid a pregnancy or by those who choose very to true. Yes. Have a pregnancy. Right. And so, so responsibility, responsible parenthood for you in a season might mean, okay, now is the time to have a child because, right. because we are called to, to bring children into the world and raise them in the faith and, um, and be life giving. Um, and of course I, you know, for, for those of you who are listening, who are, um, ha- have experienced infertility issues. Um, yeah. I, I know that's a, that's a completely other, um, topic that we're not really touching on for this episode. Um, right. We're kind of talking more, um, you know, people who, who are, we're on the hyper fertile side. No, just kidding. Yeah. That seems to be my case anyway. I know. Yeah. Well, and there's like Which so is- much contention about like that term too. They're like, there's no such thing as hyper fertile. And it's like, I know, but I if know. you're someone who like 
every single time has been like, this is a risky time and then gotten pregnant. Yes. That seems a little hyper. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, it is. Yeah, I do. It's like, you have friends who are just like, oh yeah, you know, like right around peak day and not pregnant. It's like, I, I can't even, how did that happen that to you? What? Yeah. I know. Like, that, that's, happen? <laughs> that is not what I have experienced. You know, I have not experienced um, trying for a couple of months. So I, you know, I can't speak to that experience yeah, exactly. at all, um, mm-hmm. which is why I like to have people on the podcast who can speak to those kinds of experiences. Um, sure. because yeah, I think you and I are sort of in that same boat of like, um, yeah, it's like, as soon as we say, oh yeah, a kid would be fine. It's like, boom, pregnant. Yeah. I would, that's exactly what I said. I said that to, to a group of friends recently we were out and I was like, as soon as I start thinking, like, maybe we should have another child. Like I'm usually already pregnant. It's like, <laughs> like all I have yeah. to do is speak it into existence. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like unbelievable. Um, and again, like that isn't it, like, I don't, if anyone is listening, that struggles with infertility. Like I, I apologize if that sounds, um, sort of like aloof and, and naive or whatever, because you know, that is a real struggle, but, um, you know, it is like one of those things where the, the hyper fertile sort of like that we, my husband and I have realized like, it takes like nothing for us to get pregnant. That's also played a lot into the biggest hardships of our marriage. Um, you know, because it's like, it's not just this like great, like, oh yeah, you can have whatever babies you want, whenever you want. It's, it's led to a lot of, well, I really can't get pregnant right now. Like I am not in a good place to get pregnant right now. Right. And so that means we need to be, we need to avoid a little bit more. Like we need to like be really conservative and, and then you don't have as many available days and then that can build resentment. And, you know, it's like, everybody has their cross regardless of, of where it is, but, and that's a little bit of an aside, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's we're fallen, aren't we? (laughs) We are. Well, and you know, I think, I think that's a really good transition to something else I wanted to mention on this episode is that like NFP exists because we are fallen. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, like Adam and Eve in Eden would not have needed to like try to avoid or space pregnancies because like their sexual desire, um, would have been perfectly aligned with God's will. Um, and let me just throw this out here and I might like, you know, DM me if, if you have a different opinion here, but like our bodies don't work properly because we're fallen. Like mm. our bodies, our, our, our female bodies were designed to naturally space pregnancies by about two to three years. Um, yeah. and that's, that's what a lot of doctors will say, like, that's kind of a healthy spacing, you know, that gives your body enough time to kind of recoup, um, yeah. is giving it like that two to three year mark. Um, but, but like the, the act of nursing and the hormones that are present in nursing were designed to suppress ovulation, um, for that amount of time, you know, and, and there's a myriad of reasons why, um, that doesn't work. You know, I, I don't suggest, don't, don't just think you're infertile because you're breastfeeding. Like, right. um, Right. Right. And, and, and that's because, you know, we, we, as a culture, we, we wean earlier than, you know, kind of naturally designed. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like mental reasons why we need to wean earlier. Um, we, you know, uh, women work, right. And they need to pump and the pump doesn't produce those same hormones. Yeah. Um, we, oh gosh, like, I mean, there's just 
oh, see, I wrote, I wrote some ideas down here. Um, <laughs> you know, we, Oh, th- things like latching issues, right? Babies don't nurse. My first, yeah. I had to exclusively pump for a year. Like she never nursed. And so like my fertility returned somewhere around like five months. Right. And that, you know, that's not how my body was designed. My body was designed right. to wait. Um, yeah. And so, you know, th- those kinds of things, you know, our body's not working the way they were designed to, I, I would say that's because we're fallen yeah, and, and or a result true. of. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. What a world, man. Yeah. But yeah. So we have, we have NFP. God has lovingly gifted us this tool mm-hmm. because he sees, okay, y'all are in a fallen world. Um, and, and you have reasons that you right. need to avoid and it's okay that you have those reasons. And so here's this tool of NFP of fertility awareness to be able to take a look at your fertility and, um, you know, and, and stay aligned with my will for marital intimacy. Um, I still want marital intimacy to be unitive and procreative. Um, but like, let me throw something out here. Right. So, Mm -hmm. so God wanted marital intimacy to be unitive and procreative. So a couple weeks ago, immaculate conception happened. And I put something on the Instagram page about the immaculate conception and how our church is celebrating two people having sex. That's Um, right. I saw this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I had some fabulous conversations with people on this. I just, (laughs) oh my gosh, it was so great. But one of the things that came out of that was, okay, so who had better sex Ann and Jokum when they Uh, were immaculately mm. conceiving, um, Mary or Adam and Eve before the fall. Yo, I don't know. You know, there were lots of ideas. Maybe they equally had as good of sex. Maybe it was Adam and Eve. I don't know. Right. We'll never know this side of heaven. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But let me throw something else out here. Adam and Eve didn't conceive until after the fall. Mm. So that means, well, I don't know what I'm interpreting from that is that God doesn't need every sexual act to produce a baby. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Maybe yeah. we should just end the episode there. I know. Boom. Mic drop. See you <laughs> like guys just next week. I don't know. Two weeks. With <laughs> that, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? The one thing that I really did want to say, because I feel like, I feel like we haven't, um, we haven't done a totally fair job of, of talking about providentialism in like in a nicer light. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think, again, I think that in most marriages and in most situations, providentialism is, should sort of be something used, um, you know, not 100% of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, in moderation, as we said, go through periods of providentialism and, and whatever, but for those couples that do rely solely on providentialism, I I can say that that can really be an incredible witness to the power of God in our lives. Um, like, I don't think God's ever going to say, well, that was silly of you to just, you know, that was even so you silly of had, you to just trust me. <laughs> yeah. Even though you had just $200 in the bank and seven children already, that was really silly of you to just, you know, go ahead and rely on me. Like, God would obviously not do that. And I mean, I can say, especially like when we were, 
Wow. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> you know, especially when we were first married and, you know, had like no money and, mm-hmm. you know, ended up having these two babies. I mean, my first two are 18 months apart, you know, so it was like, they were very close and we didn't have a lot. We also didn't know what we were doing in regards to NFP yet, but we were trying NFP, <laughs> just wasn't working for us. Um, you know, but, but I could see so clearly in those times how God showed up for us, you know? And I mean, and and, I mean, he showed up in so many ways throughout our marriage and it almost always aligns with around the time we're going to have another baby. Mm. Um, So, you know, it can be really, really powerful. I literally remember being on the way home from a hospital and this is like, yeah, this was like humbling. I remember being on the way home from from a hospital with a baby. I don't remember which one and um, stopping at the grocery store for something on the way and going to the checkout and my card was declined. And I remember feeling this sense of panic, like, oh my gosh, first of all, why is my card declining? Like, what does that mean? We have a baby in the car, like, you know, like, and this really, but then I remember right after that, like in the next couple weeks, like. God just like lavished us. Like it was just like money came from like somewhere. I forget that was like totally random. Like this was like, I mean, years and years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like money just came from some random place. Like people were bringing us meals. Like it was just like, you know, and God does like he, when you really lean into him, I mean, and in these really intense ways, right? Like all the saints, like we can look at providentialists and be like, y'all are crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. But like the greatest saints were seen as, as crazy. And and some of them were like actually crazy. That's, right? <laughs> That's like, very fair. I mean, yeah. I have, I have similar stories too. Like with my first, um, I had just quit my job. I had no <laughs> prospect of a job. We could not live on just my husband's salary. Yeah. And we felt called to have a kid and we we're like, okay. Yeah. And, and then after I found out I was pregnant, he got a raise and I got a job. Right. Like that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. it's just like, and, and that happened with number two as well, mm-hmm. because yeah. then it was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to work once we have two because childcare costs versus what I'm making, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, well, like we're really feeling called to have another kid right now. Um, we, I got pregnant and then he got a raise and a bonus. And it was like, what, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yes. Isn't that, I remember I, after I had my second, I, I sort of like quit my job very, very spontaneously. Like neither my husband nor I were planning on me going into work that day and quitting my job. It was like, Mm. I tell him today, I was like, it was all the Holy spirit. And you're just lucky that I listened to him. Okay. Cause, (laughs) and he, he jokes, we were working, we were working for the same place for a church And, um, yeah, I was bringing two kids in with me, like Mm. a lot of the time. And I don't know, I just got overwhelmed and I just realized like, this is not what I want for my children. This is not what I want for me. And this is not like, it doesn't make sense for the church, right? Like as they're functioning, right? Like, yeah. so I did, I quit my job and I called my husband and I was like, we couldn't live on just his salary. And I was just like, I think I just quit my job. And he was like, uh, I was like, yeah, but then, yeah. Then what happened? It was like this massive, massive trust fall into the arms of the Lord. And then, 
Yeah, he gets offered a different position within the same parish that came with like almost, du- that was like almost double his salary. Oh my God. Right? Yeah. I end up in, in a, a, just a part-time job somewhere that like, so we were already back at like what we were making. Right. And it was like, yeah. and God just, he did, he just like showed up and then it put my husband in a completely different career path, which he's now still in and has given him like real prospect for the future, oh my you know? God. And, and, and yeah. he's like, it's just, it was just so providential. And that's the thing, like maybe, you know, in talking about providentialism, we don't just have to talk about it as, you know, like when you're trying to have a baby, right? Like when you like, it really is a matter of leaning into God to provide in all ways for your family. Right. And mm. knowing that maybe you didn't intend to get pregnant and here you are, right. Maybe you were using NFP, you were trying to be responsible, something went wrong somewhere, which happens. Right. And, and now here you are, right. Like that's a time to really lean into providentialism, right? Like just Lord God, I'm here and I don't know why, and I don't really want to be, but I know that you're going to take care of us. Um, You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh yeah, God, just give us babies whenever you want. Um, Although again, like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Necessarily. Cause God will show up. He will always show up, especially when you're just looking, when you are receiving children as a gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's going to make sure you're taken care of, but even if you didn't intend to receive a gift at that point, you know, like lean into providentialism, become a providentialist, you know, and just Lord God show up for us. Like, I know you have us in your hands. You love our family. Yes. You want what's best for us. And you're going to take care of us. Right. And yeah. it says have, have no anxiety at all. Right. Like, which. Yeah, exactly. Your, exactly. But, but oh yeah, gosh. you know, like that we can trust that, that he means that like, I will take care of you. I am mm-hmm. gifting you this child and I will make sure this child is taken care of. Just listen to me, follow yeah. me, you know? Yeah. Oh man. I think that's a, just such a great place to, to just wrap up this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. First episode in the back. First one. Woo. That was exciting. All right. Be sure to follow Charity Toward Intimacy on Instagram. Um, feel free to reach out to um, me. I mean, I'm the one who handles the Instagram, but if you want to like reach out to Kathleen, like DM me and I'll, I'll get it to her um, or uh, send, send us an email that's in the show notes. Um, and yeah, until next time. Awesome. See you guys.